This message comes from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with Rock Solid Hope in Rim Country. May 16, 2021, John 17, 11 to 19. My wife and I are pretty careful about teaching our children about proper safety and good habits. This is a, apparently especially true when it comes to buckling in in your seat. One of our children, when they were old enough to walk on their own, still occasionally would ride in the stroller, and so we'd buckle him up. But if we'd forget to buckle him up, he would actually complain as if in terror that something horrible was going to happen to him if he wasn't buckled in, you know, just in case we were going to dangle that stroller over the edge of a cliff or something. But we like to be secure and prepared, right, and protected. I'm sure that most of you not only have locks in your houses, but deadbolts. And some of us also have firearms, just in case, for that extra measure of security in our own homes. What about being secure in the most dangerous of circumstances? What would you do to prepare and to protect and to keep safe those that you love? And how would you keep them safe if you weren't able to be there with them? Well, that's kind of what Jesus' disciples were facing, as we read in John chapter 17. Jesus was going to leave them as he ascended into heaven. This was the night before he died. And so he prays that they be connected and protected. And as we look at this prayer, we'll see not only how they are kept safe in their greatest dangers, but we are too. Jesus' disciples were going to face many difficulties after Jesus would ascend into heaven. His enemies, the enemies of Christ and his disciples, would imprison them. The disciples would be beaten. Many of them would face horrible persecutions. Of the twelve, only one would save John, would be saved from an early death because of his faith. The first to die would be James, with him being beheaded. And one by one, all the disciples would die for following Jesus. But more than that, what we see in John's book in Revelation, all of God's church throughout all of time will face enemies, attacks, persecutions, because they follow Christ and they are in this world. And the greatest of all those attacks behind the false teachers, behind the powers of the authorities of this world, and those who persecute the church is the devil, our enemy, who seeks to divide and devour us and separate us from our God. Christians, however, don't need to worry too much about many of those attacks because the world doesn't recognize or understand Christians are indestructible. You cannot harm a Christian by throwing them in the arena and having <clears throat> crowds around them mock them because the Christian knows, <clears throat> I belong to the Lord, not of this world. And you can't harm a Christian simply by taking that believer and locking them in prison because the Christian also knows they are freed from sin's captivity and they belong to their God. And they are freed from the control and power of the devil. You can even chop off a Christian's head. But God will give them a new one with a glorified body and victory and life eternal. No, the greatest danger that a Christian faces is not the physical persecutions of this world and the attacks. Rather, the greatest danger is that we lose our connection to our God. 
And so the devil devises his tactics to sever our connection with our Lord. And he knows that the way he can do this is by, first of all, breaking our connection with fellow believers. Maybe you've seen that on the Nature Channel or when you're watching a documentary and the lion is going after its prey. The devil is like a lion looking for someone to to devour, the scripture says. And he will go after the one who is separated from the flock, the one who is not with the herd, but isolated, singled out and alone. The devil knows that when believers separate <coughs> from their fellow believers and they celebrate from <coughs> separate from a faithful church, the devil knows that he can attack them and bring them down all the more easily into despair, into sin, into pride or false teaching, and ultimately away from their God. And don't misunderstand. Being united in faith doesn't mean a shallow unity. No, the devil rejoices when believers have a shallow faith, one that seeks to compromise the word of God and dismiss the truths of God's word. That's not oneness. The oneness that we seek and the oneness that we should have in our God desires is that we are united one in his faith. Then we are strong. Then we are encouraged. Then we are built up from the enemy's attacks. Well, what about you? What do you do when you see the dangers that we face in this world as those who are of the world, in, or those who are in the world but not of the world, and the enemy is the devil? Well, pray. Pray regarding your family. Pray regarding your Christian friends and loved ones. And sometimes we might limit our prayers. We might say, Lord, protect my daughter as she goes off to college. Lord, protect my my spouse as they go off through the night shift and through their patrol. Or Lord, bring safely home my spouse as they're driving back tonight. But maybe we forget that the greater, more important prayer is to rather pray, Lord, protect my daughter as she goes off to college that she might hold to your word. And Lord, my friends, my family, those who hold to your word, let them be one. Lord, let the body of believers who gather here be united in faith and be one to stand against the devil's attacks, that they may remain strong in faith. And at what point do we find ourselves slipping in this? I know how it can be. You find it's late, you've had a long, hard day, and there comes my daughter, and she's holding up a book, and she's saying, can you read me this book? It's a book about Jesus. And for a moment, my mind thinks, not tonight. And I almost want to defer the opportunity and say, well, no, it's getting late, time for bed. But when is the time to not only pray about what we should be seeking, that is spiritual strength, but acting on it? Frederick Douglass was once a slave in the South during the time of slavery. And he said, for 20 years, I prayed for my freedom and got no answer. Then I prayed with my legs. It's one thing to pray regarding spiritual strength for your friends and family and those you love and to pray for the strength of the church, but then to also act accordingly. Not just to say, Lord, let my daughter be safe as she goes off to a college where they are teaching things that are contrary to your word, 
where reason and sin and apathy will pull her away from the truth instead of supporting the truth with sound teaching, then to act on it and to encourage your daughter. And instead of praying, Lord, keep my friends and my family, my grandchildren secure in your word, to act on it, to take every opportunity available to build them up in the faith so that you may be one with them as they are one with their God and connected and protected. And I have to admit, there are times when I not only failed to pray for the oneness of those who should be one in God's kingdom, those I love and those in the church, and I also fail to act on that as I should. When is the time to act? Is it when they start complaining about the instruction and the time they spend as they gather for word and Bible study? Is it when they're teenagers and they start to dismiss the time that you want to spend having family devotions? Or when they're in confirmation instruction and they fail to do their memory work? Or is it when they go off to college and you think they're perhaps on their own now and even though they say they're not regularly connected with the word, it's not time to act yet. When is the time to act? Is it time to act when we are in panic mode and we see that those that we care about and those that have been once one with God and his word are beginning to no longer be connected, isolated, strain a target of the devil to divide and devour? Jesus saw what was coming for his disciples and for you and for me. And what we see in John chapter 17 is he prayed for us. Jesus said, Holy Father, protect them by your name, which you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus, when he walked this earth, prayed for the protection of his disciples. And he didn't pray they'd be protected by wit or by cunning or by governmental powers, or by strength of anybody's working. No, he says, Father, protect them by your name, which you gave me. It is by the name of the Lord that one is protected and secure in God's kingdom. By the revelation of the name of God and everything that he has accomplished, we remain safe. And by God's working in his name and by his power, we are secure and connected. The name which you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus' goal for protection? Oneness. Unity with God and unity with one another. That unity, that oneness comes by knowing the revelation of the Lord and his name. That being one happens as we are united, not only merely on superficial surface matters, but as believers are united in the word. And when is the time to act on that prayer? It is time to act as you have every opportunity before you, your family, your loved ones, to open the scriptures, to gather with believers, to study, to meditate on that word, that we may be one. Jesus said, While I was with them, I kept those you gave me safe in your name. I protected them. See, Jesus not only prayed for the safety of his disciples, he faithfully acted for all the times that you and I failed to pray and to act according to the protection that is needed for God's kingdom and his people. Jesus did not fail. He came to this earth and he spoke the word of God faithfully. 
And though the devil and the world tried to silence and stop him, he continued to faithfully speak that word, even to the point of, as we see here this night, the night before he died, the point of being killed. Jesus, in full, perfect faithfulness, shared that word that we needed and acted. Jesus says, But now, Father, I'm coming to you. I am saying these things in the world so they may be filled with my joy. Jesus knew he was going to be visibly leaving his disciples and leaving us. That he would be coming to the Father as he returned to the glory of the Father in heaven and ascended. But he prayed these things so that you and I might know and be certain of what he came to accomplish. His desire and his goal was that we might be safe from the enemy, the devil, and that we might be one with our God. That oneness is ours because Jesus came to protect us. When he came to this world as a priest, he offered up the sacrifice to make us one with our God, the sacrifice of himself. That we might be protected from our own sin and the curse, he offered up that sacrifice once for all. And also, as our priest, we see here Jesus interceded while he walked this earth. He prayed on our behalf, and he prayed that we might remain protected and connected to our God and remain one, and to give us that joy that this is the heart of our God, that we remain protected to him, connected to him and protected. Jesus says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not asking you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. Notice he doesn't say that they should not be of the world. He says they are not of the world. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has made you one with his church and with your God. You belong to him, and you do not belong to this world. Yes, there are times when it may be that the world will try to devour you and make you of the world and pull you away from your God. But through faith in Christ, trusting in him, who took your sins away, who protects you from the evil one. You are not of the world. You are of the kingdom of God, the everlasting and eternal kingdom of Christ. Jesus prays, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. If you are still in this world, you who are now one with God through faith, and through the sacrifice of Christ, our priest. If you are still in this world, it's for a purpose. It is to be one with the church, be one with fellow believers, one with your God, through that word which sets you apart. Sanctify them, Jesus says. Set them apart by your word. Make them holy. And the reason you're still in this world, Jesus says, just as he was sent, he is sending you into the world. You are here to go out into this world and to make disciples with that name of the Lord which he has given us, the name of Christ. And you protect them from the attacks of the enemy, the evil one, the devil. As you send out into the world, share this message of Christ so that many more may be one with us as we make known what Christ has done And then whatever comes our way, we will remain connected and protected forever. 
as we conclude this series looking at connected and how we're connected to our God, I'd like us to conclude with a prayer. As we see our, our Lord praying here, we pray. Holy Father, you have sent your Son to make us one with you. We pray that you keep us one as we are united in faith so that the attacks of the enemy, the evil one, will not harm us, but we remain connected to you through faith. We pray also for all those who believe in you, that they too may remain as one, and that as you set them and all of us apart by your word, you send us out into this world, that many more may join and share in that joy as we are one with you. Our great high priest, who made that sacrifice to bring us to be one with you, our God. Holy Father, we pray this in your name, in the name of your Son. Amen.